church history number 98. And we're referring back and we're going back and reviewing the volume one of John T. Christian's uh, history of the Baptist. And like I said, we're on page 239. The subject is immersion. Immersion, but more precisely, the mode of baptism. Now, I teach Greek, as most of you know, and Hebrew also. Now, there's three words in Greek that are very important. Nepto, Rontizo, and Bautizo. Nepto means to pour. Rontizo means to sprinkle. And bopto or poptizo means to immerse. Our Latin word mergio comes right straight from Greek baptizo to mergio into the English immersion. There is actually only one scriptural historical mode of baptism, and that is a death, a burial, and a resurrection, which is not in sprinkling and not in pouring, but in immersion as you are dipped into the water, buried in baptism, and then raised up as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He died for our sins, was buried, and resurrected for our justification. Now we're reading through John T. Christian's history, and we're reading different historical uh, statements about baptism and about Baptist. Page 237, it says, Nowhere in this passage is it intimidated to John Smith of the, or the Anabaptist baptized in a basin or practice sprinkling. What is affirmed of the Anabaptists is also is that they celebrated the Lord's Supper at other times than the evening. That and nothing more is said. And that is as good as proof that it had ever been offered that Smith practiced sprinkling or none at all. Clifton, A.D. 1620, speaks of Smith's church as a new washed company. This is not compatible with the idea of pouring. Clifton practiced effusion and would not have used these words if Smith had agreed with him. Robert Bailey, in speaking of the case in which the Brownists turned to Anabaptist, alluded to Smith and his company as turning into such a readily as snow and ice turns into water. This language is not consistent with pouring. In 1610, a book was written against this congregation in which it declares, For tell me, shall every one that is baptized in the right form and matter for which ye stand much on upon the skin be saved? The Baptists differed from their opponents upon the form and manner of baptism. Remember, sprinkling came from the Presbyterians. 
and the Church of England did not sprinkle. The Catholic Church always baptized by immersion for many years, and then they began to sprinkle babies because they began to sprinkle uh, babies because sometimes they drowned them. And by the way, uh, Baptists have always taught about believers' baptism. In other words, you become a believer before you're baptized, and you're baptized because of, of the remission of sins, not for the remission of sins. The King James Version of the Bible trans says that you're trans trans baptized for the remission of sins because they believed in baptismal regeneration in the Church of England, which brought it from got it from uh, the Catholic Church and and all others around them. The reformers came out of the Catholic Church trying to reform it, but they didn't separate church from state, and they didn't change the form of, or they changed the form of baptism also. But they always baptized infants, infants, and they always had godmothers and godfathers to to speak up for the baby because the baby couldn't confess. It says here, the Baptists differed from other opponents. The form and manner of baptism, the form of the Puritans was pouring. The form of the Baptists was immersion. And he further says, has the water of Holland washed you all so clean? Such a question is inconsistent with pouring. Those associated with Smith declare that the form of baptism was dipping. Now, by the way, Smith is not the father of the Baptist churches of England. They were in existence long before him. But we're just going back now. We're going to confirm the mode of baptism. Historically confirm the mode of baptism. It says here that therefore Christ commanded his disciples to teach all nations and baptize them. That is to preach the word of salvation to every creature of all sorts of nations and that are worthy and willing to receive it and such and gladly and willing receive he has commanded to be baptized in water in water that is dipped for the dead in the water you die to your old sins and you raise the new in Christ such was the practice of the Amsterdam congregation dipped for dead in the water those who believed Effort has been made to disassociate Busher from the Baptist, but Christopher uh, Lone bears witness that he was an Anabaptist. Another of his companies, scarcely second to Smith, was Thomas Helwes. In a declaration of faith, the English people remaining in Amsterdam and Holland, uh, printed in the year 1611, supposed to have been written by Halley's, Article 14 is the following language. The baptism of washing with water is the outward manifestation of dying unto sin and walking in newness of life, Romans 6, 2, and 3. And therefore, in no wise, appears, appertains to infants at all. The allusion to the burial and resurrection of Christ would indicate immersion. A fusion cannot be described as washing in water or with water. There is a like expression which occurs in a letter written by Halley's and others in Amsterdam, March the 12th, 1610, which follows. Whosoever shall now be stirred up by the same spirit to preach the word, men being thereby converted may, according to John, 
his example, wash them with water, and who can forbid it? The evidence of all points to immersion. The historians are quite unanimous in regard to baptism. Brooks says Helwes received baptism by immersion. Lives of the Puritans, page or, uh, volume 2, page 279. Professor Mason says for this Helwes returning to England shortly after 1611 drew about him as we see the first congregation of general or Armenian Baptist in London. And this obscure Baptist congregation seems to have become the dispository for all of England, all the absolute principle of liberty of conscience expressed in the Amstrad Confession as distinct from the more stinted principle advocated by the general body of independence. Not only did Helwes folk differ from the independence on the subject of infant baptism and dipping, they differed also in the power of the magistrate in matters and belief of conscience. The free will Baptist and the Armenian Baptists at this time, some of the general Baptists, there was particular Baptists, separate Baptists, and particular Baptists. Particular Baptists simply meant that God is particular who he saves. He saves the elect. Don Norcutt was associated with Smith, and he wrote a book in Substantiate Dipping. He was associated with Hansard, Nollies, William Kiffin, and other heroes of those times. His funeral sermon was preached by Benjamin Keach. The book was dedicated to the church at Wapping. An edition of this book was edited and published by Charles H. Spurgeon. He used a reprint of the 5th London edition. This edition has an introduction by Kiffin. The first edition has, a yet escape, has yet escaped our attention, but a portion of chapter 4 is as follows. The Greek word baptizo means to plunge, to overwhelm. Thus Christ was plunged in water, Matthew 3.16, and thus he was plunged, overwhelmed in his sufferings. And I have a baptism to baptize with, and now I am strengthened till it be accomplished. The Dutch translation reads, in those days, John the Dipper, Matthew 3 and 1, and John 3.23, that version reads that John was dipping in, in Anan because there was much water there, and what need do you have much water except for dipping? They did baptize in rivers. They came to John and were baptized in Jordan, and John was baptizing in Anan because there was much water there, John 3.25. What need it be in a river where there is much water? Would not a little water in a basin serve to sprinkle a few people with? Bag baptism signifies a burial of Christ, and therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death. Romans 6 and 4. Buried with him in baptism, Colossians 2 and 12. Now we do not reckon a man buried when a little earth is sprinkled upon his face. But he is buried when covered, and we are buried, immersed in baptism. Christ's sufferings are called a baptism. 
In Luke 12 and 50, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and now I am strengthened till it be accomplished. When Christ suffered, he was plunged into pain. Did his sufferings lie only on his head or his forehead? No. There was not one part free. He was from head to foot in pain. His head was crowned with piercing thorns. His hands and feet were nailed to the cross and his whole person was stretched out on the cross that a man might have told all his bones. Psalm 22 verse 17. There was not one part of him free. Man has sent body, soul, and spirit. Therefore the whole Christ must suffer for sin. Christ was baptized into pain, plunged into sorrow, and any part free this called his, was called his baptism. The one baptized and plunged in water to show how Christ was plunged into sorrow and our, for our sakes. Baptism is a putting on of Christ. As many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Galatians 3.27 The text means as a servant wears the Lord's livery, a garment which demonstrates him to be a servant to such a great per personage, so, as in baptism, we put on the Lord's livery on us, and he himself clothes us from head to foot, and is thus that by baptism we put on Christ. When, when Christ was baptized, he came up out of the water. Matthew 3.16 Was his baptism performed by having a little water thrown in his face? Nope. Then he had not been plunged into the water and could not have come up out of it. He had not been plunged in water, he could not come out of it, not, but because he was baptized in water, therefore being baptized, he came up out of the water. Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, down into the water. And being there in the water, Philip baptized the eunuch, both of them went up out of the water, Acts 8.39. But to what end had they gone down if Philip did surely sprinkle any, the eunuch or pour water upon his head. At the end of page 240 it says, Then therefore, then there follows some question and answers as to show that sprinkling is a strange fire on the altar of God. Sprinkling is a strange fire on the altar of God and so is pouring. John Morton was a member of this church and subscribed to many articles. He practiced dipping, immersion. Benjamin Brooks says of him, John Morton was one of the John Smith disciples at Amsterdam from whom he received baptism by immersion. He afterwards came to England and was zealous preacher of the sentiments of the General Baptist. In the Bodleian Library is a copy of the book by E. Jessup. And there are marginal notes supposed to have been by, made by him, John Morton, Jessup says, that the baptism of the children neither is nor can be a mark of the beast, spoken of in Revelation 13:16. for that, in such a thing, indeed, as young children are not capable of. You have to realize that the Catholic Church, the Presbyterians, the Lutherans were persecuting Baptists. They were persecuting other Christians also. But they were persecuting Baptists in such a way 
as sometimes the Baptists thought they were in the tribulation period and that the Antichrist was Luther and Calvin and the Pope or the Church of England. Morton rejoins, Ye baptism of Christ and such a thing whereof infants are not capable. If it were used and practiced on them, they would be drowned as many as have been in histories, not as therefore new motion is found for them, namely to the sprinkle their head instead of dipping, which ye word baptism signifies. John Robertson, the Pilgrim Father, in reply to Morton, affirms that the latter and his congregation practiced dipping. In the next place they came to baptism in which they think themselves and their element as filth and water. And beginning with John's baptism, here's a positive assertion that Morton and his church practiced baptism. All Baptists practiced baptism at that time. Morton testifies into his own belief that he declares that John baptized his disciples in the Jordan River. There was indeed the practice of primitive churches. It cannot be denied. Gaunt, in another witness to the position of Morton, he declares that Morton differed from some of the free grace, but he agreed that the rest of the Baptists on immersion, his words are in the form of conversion. But we have found a rule of truth in God's word plainly directing us to making a matter of the church of Christ, but not such as are qualified by faith are fit subjects of baptism, which faith is wrought by teaching and then baptism by dipping admits that it gives interest into the, such believers to have communion with the church fellowship with us and in the holy ordinances of God, which church ordinances are not understood but neglected and condemned of all heretics you have named and conferred with Therefore we are the true church, for we profess that one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. That baptism is by immersion. All of the, the articles of faith and practice at that time talked about, in the Baptist talked about immersion. Didn't talk about effusion or sprinkling or pouring at all. Hebrews 10, 22, and 23 clearly distinguishes between the dipping of the body and the sprinkling of the heart. Both the sign of the thing signified are coupled with the apostle and in turn united in one another. The sign is washing of the body in the elements of water, in water. And the thing signified is the sprinkling, that is the cleansing of the heart from an evil conscience to the blood of Christ and where the comparison must be seriously observe the analogy of the figure and the truth of the sacrament and the thing of the sacrament. The cleansing of water, it says in page 244, belongs to baptism. Baptism is a symbol of communion with Christ. For God has not seen fit to baptize the babes out of the adult 
but the adult believers, partly that he might lift them up by his outward token when they are so apt to fall into so many sins that they might comfort them and he might strengthen them for the struggle partially to exhort them to surrender to sin considering baptism as a symbol of the washing of sin partly because never does Christ do anything in vain which they should have done and if they have imparted baptism to children who do neither receive the token nor the which is signified nor the meaning of it nor the use nor the profit of it that such passages refer to immersion is plain even to the casual reader. On page 245, Taylor mentions many differences between Smith and the Mennonites. Smith himself indignantly denied that he learned his doctrine from Menel. Some persons of the Reformed Church have criticized Smith and said that immediately the doctrines of Menel. In a document in Amsterdam, library in number 1364. In this article, the opinion of Menel is presented to us as if we echoed the sentiments of any master you please. Perhaps the critic notes down our contradiction and opposition, why are you reformed ones unanimously in all your dogmas? Is it not with them as many heads, so many senses? Is it right for us to depart from mental when mental departs from the truth? It was only after his baptism and discussion had sprung up between Smith and his opponents, Clifton and Ainsworth, that the attention of the Dutch Baptists was directed to him. They were greatly pleased with his brilliant and scholarly defense. Remember, he was an educated man of believers' baptism, and after they had begun to court his approval, Bradford said this in so many words. But he, Smith, was convinced of his errors by the pains of faithfulness of Mr. Johnson, Mr. Ainsworth, and revoked him, but afterwards was drawn away by some of the Dutch Anabaptists, who, finding him a good scholar and unsettled, they easily allayed or misled the most of the people and others of them scattered away. <clears throat> now, the Anabaptists were looked upon as devils. A couple of messages ago, I talked about the Baptist witches of England. You have to realize that Baptists were looked upon as evil. That Baptists were looked upon as evil. Witches inspired, witches inspired, that's what Baptist witches starts off with. Witches inspired. The difference between the Baptists and Smith on one hand and Mennonites on the other are set forth in a book probably written by Helwys, an advertisement or admonition unto the congregations which men call the New Friarlings in the Low Countries, written by in Dutch, published in English, and printed in 1611. See the word 16, the, the date 1611 keeps coming and coming up and up again. 
The book was addressed to Hans D. Reiner, Y. Branson, and the congregation whereof they are. The book forever dispels any illusion that the Baptists and Mennonites in Amsterdam were agreed. They were not agreed. The whole book of about 100 pages is taken up with the differences. The last paragraph on page 247 says, Helwes became convinced that the English uh, sectaries ought not to have left England for Holland to avoid persecution. He returned to England late in 1611 or early in 1612, accompanied by a greater part of the church. He established his church in London, and shortly after his return, he justified his course in a book which he wrote. The church met for worship in Penner's Hall. Helwes was extremely successful as a preacher, attracted large congregations, and made many converts. This church has sometimes been called the first general Baptist congregation in England, but it has been abundantly shown that there were many Baptists in England for hundreds of years before this. Now we're on in chapter 17, the origin, the origin of the particular Baptist, the origin of the particular Baptist. Now we're going to quit right here, and chapter 17 will be in our next lesson. In this last lesson, we understood one thing. I want, I want it understood in this message that baptism is by immersion only. Biblical baptism is immersion. Everything else is a fusion or something that takes the place of immersion. You're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're baptized in water, not with water. You're baptized because of the remission of sins, not to receive the remission of sins. Those things we find in this, in this chapter here that we studied. Our Father, we send this message out for your honor and glory. Please use it and encourage your people, build them up in the faith. Father, please forgive me where I fail you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.